chapter four of prince or chauffeur a story of newport by lawrence perry this librivox recording is in the public domain the tame torpedo that night lieutenant armitage in a marine's drab shirt and overalls stood among a silent group of mechanics on a pier near the goat island lighthouse a few hundred feet out lay a small practice torpedo boat with the rays of a searchlight from the bridge of the parent ship of the first flotilla resting full upon her suddenly armitage leaned forward when he straightened there came a dull report a lurid flash of light and with a sharp whirring sound a model torpedo about half the regulation size leaped through the darkness and with a clear parting of the waters disappeared a green very star cleaved the night intense silence followed one second two seconds elapsed and then from the practice boat out in the harbor a red star reared armitage turned to the master mechanic at his side bully he said i aimed at least twenty feet wide of the dumont the magnetos fetched her but wait in the glare of the searchlight he could see they had lowered a boat and were recovering the torpedo he saw a group of young officers gather about it as it was hauled aboard and then in a minute or so the red and green ardois lights began to wink as armitage watched with straining eyes he spelled the message as it came letter by letter a fair hit but the wrong end struck the dumont was sufficiently near the pier for the message to have been shouted but tests of new torpedoes are not to be shouted about armitage discharged a white star from his pistol the signal to come in for the night and walked toward the shops you may turn in he said to the men i have a good night's work alone ahead of me she should not have struck with her stern sir said a short squat man hurrying to armitage's side he spoke with a strong accent and passed as a lithuanian his expert knowledge of electricity as well as his skill in making and mending apparatus had caused armitage to entrust him with much of the delicate work on the model as well as on the torpedo of regular size based on the model now in course of construction his was a position of peculiar importance as the blueprints of the invention from which detailed plans were worked passed into the shops they came into the hands of this man who thus many times in the course of the day had the working prints of the controlling mechanism in his exclusive possession for some reason that he could not explain all this shot through armitage's mind as the man spoke no yeesky it should not but i'll fix that by the way how long no matter i shan't need you any more to-night yeesky as he entered the shop the storekeeper was leaving he nodded to the officer what luck lieutenant armitage fair the wrong end hit first i think the regulation size would have worked all right at all events i'll study it out to-night 
he paused then as the storekeeper stepped past him he called him back mr jackson i may be silly but i've been a bit worried of late you keep a close eye on the record of parts don't you yes indeed sir i go over it every night do you ever actually go over the parts to see that they tally with the records what i mean is important parts might be missing although the daily record might be so juggled as to make it appear they were not by george exclaimed the storekeeper i never have done that i'll begin to-morrow thanks i should if i were you good-night armitage passed into the shop and switched on an electric light over a long pine table in the centre of the apartment then he went to the safe opened it and returned to the table with an armful of rolled parchment and specifications these he spread out and thereafter while the night waned he was lost to the world and its affairs briefly armitage had invented a torpedo whose steering was so controlled by delicate magnetos that while ordinarily proceeding in the line of aim if such aim through the movement of the vessel aimed at or through some other cause should result in a miss the effect of the steel hull of the objective ship on the delicate magnetos of the armitage torpedo would be such as to cause a change in the course of the deadly missile and have her go directly toward the vessel and even follow her armitage whose mechanical genius had marked him while at the academy as a man of brilliant possibilities had developed his idea in the course of several years and when it was perfected in his mind he had gone to the chief of ordnance at washington and laid the matter before him in all its details the chief at once gave the lie to the theory long current that the department was averse to progress along whatever line by expressing unqualified delight he had armitage ordered to the torpedo station at newport to carry on experiments forthwith and instructed the superintendent of the station to give the inventor every facility for carrying on his work two months had already elapsed and the work was at the stage when a destroyer and a practised torpedo boat had been detached from regular duty and placed at his exclusive service the government was deeply interested in the progress of the work and had shown it in many ways the significance of such a torpedo in any war in which the country might become involved was patent rumours more or less vague had leaked as such things do to foreign war offices and there was not a naval attache at washington but had received imperative orders to leave nothing undone by which the exact nature of the torpedo and its qualifications might be ascertained but neither armitage nor the department had any idea of permitting the slightest information regarding the invention to escape all matters connected with the invention had been carried forward with the utmost secrecy while the pedigree of every man employed in the work had been investigated carefully all but yeasky were native-born mechanics and he had come from a great electrical plant in new jersey with highest recommendations as to character and ability the sound of bells ringing for early mass was floating across the water from the city when armitage with a deep breath of relief walked from the table and threw himself with legs outstretched into a chair 
no he said with a triumphant grimace there will be no mistake next time there was not a single fault in the model except he suddenly started bolt upright and looked about him then he settled back laughing a fine state of nerves he added when i am afraid to talk to myself he arose with the pleasing design of enjoying a cold tub and a shave on board the destroyer the destang but the idea of pumping his water did not accord with his mood he walked over to billy harrison's house billy commanded the first flotilla and being married had quarters on the reservation a drowsy servant answered the bell she said that the harrisons were still asleep well never mind said armitage chuckling i'll be back later instead of going away he went around to the side seized a handful of gravel and threw it into an open second-story window he could hear it rattle against the wall and floor a short silence followed and armitage was about to pick up more gravel when a girl in a green and white dressing-gown appeared jack armitage she cried falling to her knees so that only her head rose above the sill what on earth do you want now why hello letty laughed armitage where's billy he's here sleeping what do you mean by throwing stones into my window i want to talk to billy said armitage he's asleep i tell you what do you want well i want to borrow your tub and billy's razors why didn't you say so ring the bell and come right up i'll have some towels put in and say jack really what i hope you drown waking me this way and jack stay to breakfast won't you like a good chap which jack did an hour or so later fresh and cool and with that comfortable feeling which follows a well-cooked navy breakfast bacon and eggs his pipe sending blue clouds into the sparkling air armitage walked over to the torpedo-boat slips across the harbor lay the city bathed in golden sunshine the tree-clad streets rising tier by tier to the crown bellevue avenue his gaze wandered seaward and for the first time since sunset he thought of anne wellington would he ever see her again what was she doing now he wondered no doubt she would attend service at trinity many of the cottagers did he too would go to church there he had not been lately it would do him good he told himself thus thinking he stepped aboard the black ominous oily destang made his way aft and clambered down the companion ladder there was the usual sunday morning gathering of young officers from the boats of the flotilla the smoke mainly from pipes three weeks having elapsed since payday was thick and an excited argument not over speeding records or coal consumption but over the merits of an english vaudeville actor who had appeared the week before at freebody park was in progress hello jack said a tall dark officer in spotless white uniform how's the tame torpedo this morning fine fine blackie grinned armitage how's that tin cup misnamed the jefferson to-day didn't eat out of your hand last night did she observed tommy winston of the adams attired in blue trousers and a flannel shirt no but she will said armitage no doubt replied winston with his quaint southern drawl look here jacky where are you going this morning all dressed up in gorgeous sits clothes to church replied armitage to trinity any one want to go with me he asked ignoring the derisive chorus there was a moment's silence and then bob black looked at him quizzically does any one want to go with you he jeered who's the girl i wonder but seriously i've never been to the service there and since the wellingtons asked me to drop into their pew any sunday i the wellingtons exclaimed thornton of the submarine polyp 
you don't mean the ronald wellingtons no i don't mean any wellingtons at all i was joking why then you didn't hear of thornton's run in with them last week said winston that's so you were in washington what was it joe asked armitage turning to thornton why nothing much two of my men were arrested last thursday for assaulting the wellington kids it seems they were walking past bailey's beach and the youngsters bombarded them with clam-shells and gravel it would have been all right but one of the shells caught kelly on the cheek and cut him the men didn't do a thing but jump over that hedge into the holy of holies gather in the young scions and knock their heads together you don't say what happened then they were arrested and the chief sent over here i got the men's story and then called the wellington's house on the telephone mrs wellington's secretary answered i told her who i was and that i wanted to talk about the case with someone in authority she asked me to hold the wire and in a few seconds the queen herself was holding pleasant converse with yours truly you say the men are under your command she said i replied even so then she gave me the name of her lawyer and said kelly and burke would be prosecuted on every charge that could be brought to bear armitage laughed trust her what did you say i got hot under the collar right away then mrs wellington i said my men were not to blame if they were i should not have called you on the phone but your sons threw shells and cut one of them they were punished and justly and i now advise you i am going to have counter-warrants issued against your boys if the charge is pressed in court to-day just like that her voice came crisp you say my sons were at fault have you any proof of that i came back in a second i have sufficient proof to convince even your lawyer very well she said then do it i shall direct him to see you at once if what you say is true we will of course take no further action the case was dropped all right bully for you said armitage my lady evidently has a sense of justice here's a paragraph said winston holding up a local paper which says that a physical instructor is wanted at the crags they are going to prepare for future engagements with our men evidently well let me tell you that anne wellington is a corker observed black suddenly anne wellington said armitage ingenuously yes continued black the daughter i saw her at the casino the other day she was joshing some little old rooster who was trying to play tennis and she had him a mile up in the air she's beautiful too that's more than you can say of most of these alleged society beauties which reminds me said armitage glancing at his watch that i am due for church come on joe he added be a good chap thornton in the goodness of his nature arose all right he said i'm game thornton had been a star fullback at annapolis when armitage was an all-american end and he would have gone to worse places than church for his old messmate nowadays he spent his time in sinking the polyp among the silt on the harbour bottom for which work his crew received several dollars apiece extra pay for each descent thornton received not even glory unless having gone to the floor of long island sound with a president of the united states be held as constituting glory End of chapter four